words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. You know, I've become acutely aware of the importance of atmospheres. You know, for a few weeks, it's just been something God has been opening up to me. And sometimes, you know, you have a plan and following the plan is good, but sometimes you need to be aware. And when they were, I don't know that song, but when they were hitting that place, something was just opening up. So I just felt, I can't just keep going. I can't go on. I mean, it was just opening so much at that time. And I just felt, Lord, let's just press into that. And I just feel overwhelmed by God's faithfulness. You know, I, 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 I'm acutely aware and I guess that's why God gave me this, what I want to speak about today, that there's so much pressure. So much. You don't even need to be a prophet to know. The price of diesel has, has, in fact, Jesus multiplied bread. This one has more than multiplied. <laughs> Something that was like 260, 70, it's like seven, 800 now. And I mean, nobody can say they're not feeling it offices will shut down early they will even estates they will tell you they are going to shut down for some hours then you go petrol problem then you hear the news of that train attack and you just see kidnappings galore all over the place and you're just under pressure and sometimes it's, it's easy to forget that God is faithful my heart goes out to the lady doctor who was in that train trash. Her father is an old student of my school. And I mean, it's, it's so painful. So painful. The girl was meant to relocate on Friday. The hospital she went to get her papers from is the hospital she was taken to, where she used to work. Her body was brought back there a few days after she left. You know, and it's, 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 it's easy to lose God in that space. When everything is mounting on you and the pressure is there, sometimes the futility of life can come through at those times. And there's almost nothing to hold on to. And so today I'm speaking about a theme called faith yet, faint yet pursuing. And it's taken from the book of Judges. I just want to read a few scriptures to provide backdrop. In Judges chapter 8, and we know the story of Gideon, but there are things I'm going to be pulling from there to just paint a picture today. I'm going to read from the Amplified. I'm going to read verses 4 to 6 and verse 8. Judges 8, 4 to 6 and 8, the Amplified. It says, And Gideon came to the Jordan and passed over. He and the 300 men with him, faint yet pursuing and he said to the men of Succoth give I pray you loaves of bread to the people who follow me for they are faint and I am pursuing Zeba and Zalmunna kings of Midian and the princes of Succoth said are Zeba and Zalmunna already in your hand that we should give you bread to your army and they went ahead to proceed and refused to give them and in verse 8 it says and he went from there up to Penuel and he made the same request and the men of Penwell answered him as the men of Succoth had done. And so, if you know the backstory, it is that Gideon was going to face the Midianite army. And the Midianite army, it says the Midianites and the Amalekites, 
And if you know in those days, if you master an army, that was serious numbers. And biblical um, scholars will tell you it's between 120 and 150,000 that that army was. And by the, and the instruction of God, Gideon went to mass the armies of Israel. And it says 32,000 came out. And God said, there are too many. And he says, tell the people who are afraid to go back home. And Gideon did that. And how many went home? How many went home? They are looking at me. Bible study. How many went home? Try. Pastor Fred, look at your people. They don't read Bible. They like to hear story. They don't want to tend that. God bless you, madam, for rescuing them. It's not exam. I'm not going to beat anybody. <laughs> but it's good to know. 10,000 went back. That left how many? Even if you didn't read the Bible, you know, 32 minus 10 is what now? Come on. <laughs> 22,000. And God said, still yet too many. And, and I'm thinking in my mind, 32,000 versus 150,000. You say it's too many. That's one to like, how many? One to three, one to four, thereabouts. So one to five, Okay. And God says, I will give them a test to know the ones that I will use. And he will be the one to test. And he says, let them go to the water and drink. And it says, some, you know, if you are thirsty, imagine that you have gone out since and the, the, the ground is, the, the weather is arid, the area is arid and the weather is dry. You're going to be thirsty. So you just rush the water. So some rush it, and God was just looking out for those who would lap. And that means you will take, you scoop the water in your hand and drink, not just bury your head and drink. And he says, those are the ones I'll take. And they were only 300. At this point, what are the, what's the ratio? One to how many? One to how many? One to 15. 50, ah, okay. Even if, I'm looking for the smallest person here. Even if all the 50 were that size and then it's my size, there's no way they won't beat me now. And then God is saying, by these 300, I will take media. Already the task seems impossible. But God has said, and this is where I try to bring it into context. Many of us, God has given us words or God has instructed us to do certain things. But the situation and the environment around us doesn't even make anything add up. He said he's going to bless you beyond compare in this season. And then you see diesel going like this, petrol going like that. To even keep the office open, problem. They steal your car. They do this one. Everything is just falling apart. And yet God said. There's so many things you can learn from this story of Gideon. And I'm just, going, I'm just picking things to just compress into time. But you see, a situation that the faint yet pursuing. And so maybe to understand it a bit better, let me, let me pick a few more scriptures. So, this whole situation for Gideon started in Judges 6, when God, the angel, came to him. And in verse 16, 
The angel said, and the Lord said to him, says, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. That was the promise of God. As one man. You will defeat a whole army as one man. That meant everything to put together will be like one man smiting Midian. It doesn't sound, I mean, you know, Gideon was threshing corn, hiding himself. He said, how can these things be now? But that's the word God gave. Then you get to the point, God progressively worked with him to, till he got to that point where he could go out and ask for the army. And the army came, at least with 32,000, you feel there's hope somewhere. God, but he takes it down to 300. At that point, even the Navy SEALs, you know, that's his suicide mission. 300 people versus 150,000. It doesn't add up. God never gives you anything that you can comprehend in your mind. It's always bigger than you. Because it's not going to be by your way. It's going to be by his way. In Judges 7, when God had whittled down the 300, in verse 9, it says, It happened on the same night that the Lord said to Gideon, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. He says, but if you're afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. He says, and afterward, your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. And if you know the story, it says, he heard two Midianites who were discussing. One said he had a dream that there was a large a loaf of bread that just tumbled into the camp and destroyed them. And the, guy, the other one said, you don't know what that is? He says, it's the sword of Gideon. The, the Lord always says, I will put your dread upon your enemies. The dread of you is not your capacity. It is what God puts in their mind. And so it's never about your capability. It's about his ability. And so when Gideon got up from that place, he went to worship. He just called the 300, the Lord has given them into our hand. As he was saying that thing, does that thing make sense? What changed? Just the Lord said. Because the 300 before was still the 300. The 150,000 before was still the 150,000. So what changed? Just simply the Lord said. And so I ask you today, what has the Lord said you or about you that doesn't seem possible and that's the context of which Gideon went and God gave him a strategy that break the camp the group into three groups hundred each and not one of them had a weapon that's even the worst part for me you are going to face an army well armed and you don't have pen knife let me not speak english pen knife pen knife it sounds better that way nothing not not one piece of metal all they had were trumpets in one hand and a lamp in the other and you're going to face an army you look through scripture jehoshaphat they went with singing to face an army all God needs is your willingness and your obedience. And that's what Gideon 
did. And all he did was just put the three groups around the army, the Midianite army. And then, you know, you must always hear strategies from God. What did they shout? What did they cry? It said the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. Do you know the import of that? He knows that the sword of Gideon, you know the fear of the people is about the sword of Gideon. He knows that Gideon has zero power. So he puts the sword of the Lord first. The Lord go before, then he puts the sword of Gideon. The one that will make them afraid is the sword of Gideon. But the one that goes to battle is the sword of the Lord. David faced Goliath. Goliath said, am I a dog that they will send one little rat like you to come? I curse you with my gods. David said, I come in the name of the Lord. The fight is not in the physical. It's always in the realms of the spirit. The reason we lose many times is because we fight the battles in the physical. Take it out up there and you'll see the manifestation. Moses, the battle of Amalek. He stood up there in the mountain with his hands lifted. And down there in the valley, Joshua was fighting. The course of the battle was determined by what was happening up there. That was always ought to be our, the principle we walk by. And so, when I read that place, faint yet pursuing... Gideon was walking in the mandate God had given him. So they had been there all day. So imagine that when God said, go test them by going to drink, the way they drank tells you they were thirsty. You're already thirsty and you're going to war. Remember, the Midianites, how they used to take out Israel, they didn't come and fight them. They just destroy all their food, all their grain, their harvest. They destroyed it. This wasn't about killing you. It was about killing you slowly. So you won't be able to eat. So I can imagine there was no food available. So water, food, not available. You're going to war. And when the enemy started to run, they started to pursue them. And this wasn't just two hours. This was hours, days. And that's where you see. So I'm trying to get you to understand when he says faint yet pursuing, that means you're almost at your last beat. So you are faint, almost ready to give up, but you continue to pursue. And that's the picture that just stays with me. That your posture at times like this must be that faint yet pursuing. Coming into the year, the posture, the picture God gave me was the Nehemiah posture. And it just speaks of this similar. Nehemiah says they were building in Nehemiah 4, about 9 or 10. It says they were building with sword in one hand and building implement in the other. So that if there was any attack, they could fight and defend what they were doing. Gideon, trumpet with one hand, that's their weapon of praise. And the light in the other. That speaks of readiness and the ability to take on what comes in spite of whatever is around you. So what I take from all of this is the situation we find, you know, at times like this, a faint yet pursuing season is one where everything is 
literally falling apart. Nothing is in place. The pressure is too much. You're not able to rise up and go because of everything that is not available. Literally, all has fallen apart and put you under pressure. And the, 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 the last thing you want to do is even rise up and do anything at a time like that. I know many of us, those in business, just living life right now is, is a tall order. If God gave you dreams of, in your business of becoming the largest whatever, the way things are going, to even pay salary is a problem. To even chase anything is a problem. The leads are closed. It's as if everywhere is tight. It will seem like what God said was for another generation. But his word is always for now. I want you to begin to call to remembrance the things the Lord has said about you, about this year, about this season. He has said over the years. Because I feel today God wants to resurrect dreams that he gave people. And you've literally, because of circumstances, assumed they can't happen with the way things are. It's never about how they are. It's about how God has said You know, at times like this, it's like there are three D's I find always characterize times like this. Despair or despondency. Disappointment. Disillusionment. Because the lofty dreams you had seem to be crumbling or falling apart because nothing is in place and nothing seems like it will happen. But that's when I know that your posture must be right because it doesn't depend on what you see. It depends solely on what the Lord has said. And so Peter, James and John were fishing. They fished all night. They were professional fishermen. They had fished over the years. They know the trends. They know the patterns, the weather patterns. They know when to go out. They fished all night and caught nothing. And Jesus comes and says, let me use your boat to just preach. And he does. And then he just says to them, launch out into the deep. And Peter, with all his knowledge and experience of fishing, which counts for something, he says, we have fished all night, done all we know, done everything, done all the formulas, the strategies. We have done everything that we are taught in the business conference, but nothing is happening. But he says, nevertheless, I die word. And they launched out. And what they caught was bigger than anything they had ever caught in their lives. And I know that because 
He says, fear came upon them and they abandoned all that they got and just followed the man. Imagine that the biggest contract you've made is 10 million. Then you just make 1 billion. You know that that's the fear that came upon them, that this one is not normal. It's beyond my comprehension. Let me just follow the man. <laughs> but it is the same pattern, faint yet pursuing. I come to challenge and shake your faith this morning. Because it doesn't matter what you're going through. What matters is what God has said. And what is so important is that you consistently and diligently do that thing he asked you to do, even if it's not making sense, as long as you heard. Because when you read that story of Gideon, back to Gideon, they went to um, Sokoth. The men said, have, we, have you caught those people? You want us to give you bread so that they'll come and deal us? We're not helping you. He told them, when I come back, I will use thorns and tear your flesh. Then they went to Penuel. They told them the same thing. He still kept going. They were asking them for bread to sustain them to be able to keep going. And they refused them in two cities. I still want you to picture this. You're hungry. You're thirsty. You want to take the fight on. You know you need to keep pressing. And then everything you need, every, any type of help you need is being refused you. You just get, you know, disillusioned, frustrated. But it says they kept going. They kept going. They kept going. In spite of the disappointments. And then they got to the place where Ziba and Zalmona were. And they took them out. And they took them. Slaughtered their men and carried them back. They went to Penwell. They had said to Penwell, if when we come back, we will destroy your tower. So they came back. And they did just that. They went to Sokoth. So they found a man from Sokoth and inquired of him all the elders. Then they took all the elders and did exactly what they said they would do to them. And then they came back and Israel had victory. But it only came about because they were faint, yet they were pursuing. There are things you're meant to attain because God said does not mean it's going to be easy. And that's the mistake we make as Christians. That when God says the one that is working is God. <laughs> God has Job. Let him tell you. There's, Job did everything right by the script. He was so fastidious about following God. He says his children will be doing a party. He will be offering sacrifice in case they sin. He didn't leave anything to chance. Yet, he lost everything. You know what I like people to understand? When you read Job, you know, you just think it's like um, scene one, part two, Abi act one, scene two, scene three, scene four. Everything happened in one day. Because he says, there was a certain day that his children were gathered in the house of the elders to celebrate his birthday. And then this happened. And this happened. And finally, they died. So you know it's one day. One man from being like Dangote to being a homeless man. 
He lost everything in one day. At that point, you should just give up. Even his own wife said, cast God and die. It was that bad. But he had the mindset to be faint, yet pursuing. Through scripture, you see the pattern. If you're going to engage God, if you're going to do things for God, you must have that resilience and stand fast. Is it easy? Absolutely not. It's the most difficult thing you can do. Because more often than not, you'll be swimming against the tide. What makes sense will never be what God will ask you to do. So if you look to your circumstances, you will always fall by the wayside. There's something I read in one devotional I usually send out every day on Friday. That's how I knew. The two devotionals I send every I, I forward, they both were just speaking to the same thing on that day. And the bit of it that it says, sometimes faith changes your circumstances. And that's what we pray for. Lord, change my circumstance. But it says, other times, it changes your perspective. So your circumstance doesn't change, but your perspective changes. And sometimes that's all God needs. I imagine Joseph in captivity for those years he was there. His hope would have been, I will be free, I will be free. And then the day he interprets the dream of the butler and the baker, he feels, my time has come. And he says, they forgot him for another two years. But Joseph had the same spirit. He was faint, yet pursuing. He kept going. And what blesses me about Joseph's story is what God, he keeps saying, and the Lord was with Joseph in spite of all that was happening. Many times we feel in that season that God has abandoned us. But when he promises, I will never leave you nor forsake you, he speaks truth. The question is, can you see him in that season? Not whether he's with you. So he says, sometimes faith changes your circumstances. Other times it changes your perspective. Faith gives you the fortitude to endure, confident that God will work things out on your behalf. At times like that, you need to stand in faith. Nothing can get you through those seasons. You can't avoid the seasons. It says, you will go through the waters and you will go through the fire. It didn't say you will bypass. You won't do jump and pass. You will pass through them. It says they won't harm you. But pass through, you will. So I know many of us are passing through that phase now. If you are not, just wait. No, it's true now. It's not cause. But you know, in the truth is life. Life is always up and down. You cannot be up and stay there forever. No condition is permanent. You will have highs and lows. The lows are the seasons where God shapes you and shapes your character. Builds capacity in you. I believe one thing, if you profess faith in something, that faith has to be tried. Otherwise, what, what are you talking about? I believe this. It must be tried. So that everything is rosy and cushy right now. <laughs> Doesn't mean anything can go wrong. God just does pause with Job. You know, when I look at the precision of God, I look at Job and that it blows my mind 
blows my mind. If you look at the first chapter of Job and the last chapter of Job, it says Job had, and he catalogs what he had. 3,000 of this, 6,000 of that, 1,000 of this, everything, and 10 children. Seven boys, three girls. At the end, it says he had 6,000 of this, double everything. But I read, and I said, God, I caught you. He still had 10 children. So I said, if I know God, he's always precise. He never makes mistakes. So I went back to look at the 10, and I looked at the 10. This 10, the first 10, it says they were always partying, going to Quillox and all those places all the time. You know? It says this 10, the description of those 10, they were amazing. It says they were he says the women, the daughters, he gave them inheritance. You know, when we read the Bible, and that was revelation for me, we always think the first place in the Bible that women were given inheritance was the daughters of Zelophead. It's not true. Job lived in the time of the patriarchs. The daughters of Zelophead were in the time of Moses. But he, without any tradition, gave his daughters inheritance. You know, he has a, 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 a peculiar unction like David that he does things that run against the grain because he hears from God. David was bringing the ark back to Jerusalem. He didn't bring it. God had instituted the ark must be in a compartment that is sealed off the Holy of Holies. But David brought, you know, he says he studied after Uzzah died. He went and studied the pattern of how the ark should be brought. So he read it properly. So he did everything that needed to be done sacrifice the thing was born by the priest but when he came to when it to be put he didn't put it in a hidden place he put it in the open and instituted 24-hour worship that was contrary to what god said but he did it and he obviously heard from god because god didn't kill anybody one and then in amos god says i will rebuild the tabernacle of david because that is what God had always intended. That he would walk, he would be in our hearts. Not afar. I digress. Let me come back. <laughs> the question is, how do we stay in that place of being faint yet pursuing because i know some of us what's going in our minds is <laughs> you don't understand <laughs> you just come and try and run my business or come and do this thing when you know the the devils i'm facing you'll find it's not easy to be faint yet pursuing but one thing i know is that god his words are eternal they're true when he says, it's done. He doesn't say words lightly. Whatever he says will always come to pass. In the story of uh, David in 1 Samuel 30, and that just vaguely puts it together. I just want to pull from that. In 1 Samuel 30, I'll read verses 3 to 6. So David and his men came to the city, and that's to Ziklag. And he says, there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters have been taken captive. 
Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam and the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. It says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. One version says he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And if you have a cross-reference Bible, you will see that what it points you to is scriptures where he will say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. You know, many of the Psalms, if you read them, it starts out despondent, but it ends up going back to my God. David will say, Lord, how, why, why are you when they are eating my flesh and doing this to me? He says, but I will wait upon the Lord. That's how it always ends. Because when you can come back to what God said, you have an overwhelming, and that probably is why faithfulness has just been in my spirit all morning. When you think about the faithfulness of God, there's nothing that can shake you. Because you know you're not dealing with one who just promises lightly. You're dealing with one who is sovereign. The one who is the master of the universe. The one who the cattle of the, of the thousand hills is his. The silver, the gold, they belong to him. It sounds difficult, but you know, and some might say it's easy for you to say you don't understand. <laughs> some of you don't know, some of us have gone through some journeys too. There are seasons I've gone through. When I look back, the only thing that kept me going was God. Things didn't look like didn't add up, didn't make sense. The only thing he gave was clarity on something. I remember I used to, I was working one time. I was working in a job one time, I still work. And God said, I just felt God say, you need to leave this job now. And I'm thinking, okay. And I'm praying. I had to give three months notice. I had no option. And I'm thinking, what next? And I'm praying, Lord, give me clarity. What are you saying? What do you want me to do? I had nothing. Not a word. Not a pointer. Not a direction. And incidentally, this is a job that some months earlier I had felt a need to leave because then I had just given my life to Christ and my job entailed working with NAFDAQ in those days. And um, sorry if there's anyone who works in NAFDAQ. I mean, it was not a funny thing because you had to do some things, you know, that you shouldn't do. And I thought, I can't continue this. And I was ready to resign at that time, but I took time out to pray. I went on a retreat. And I was praying to God for clarity on what to do. Should I go? Because I, I really don't. I'm just ready to, obedient, to be obedient. And I, a word came in Luke 15. It says, if you are faithful in little, you will not be, if you are not faithful in little, you will not be faithful in much. If you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. And then the clincher for me was, if you're not faithful in mammoths unrighteousness, how can you expect to get the true riches? And what that ministered to me is that things unrighteous does not mean you should avoid them. You must be able to stand. It didn't mean I should do what was being done. 
but it was that if you cannot be faithful in that place, how do you expect the right righteousness to come to you? And so I took time to pray and ask for strategy and God gave me a strategy to take and I didn't have to give any bribe from that point. I was the only one who didn't do that. So I had come feeling, then a few months later, it's like, okay, you need to leave now. And I'm, at that point, it's when I remembered, what do I do, God? <laughs> so it was, for me, it was a very stark change. But I, I took time to pray and I didn't hear a thing for two weeks. One morning I woke up and it's like, if you don't leave that job today, you will die. Ah! And I'm, I'm thinking, this can't be God. What, just a job now. <laughs> but there was agitation. I was had palpitations and I couldn't understand. And then I was just reading scripture and then I came to Isaiah 30 where it says, a voice will say in your ear, this is the way, walk in it when you turn to the right or to the left. It was like water to a thirsty soul. Because what that said to me is, you have prayed? A, a voice will say to you, the voice wasn't saying anything to me, but the fact is that when you turn, you will know. And all that told me is that when you turn to the wrong side, it will tell you this is the wrong side. So I just took the step. And I just felt like my whole world, I didn't have plan. I didn't have anything. Eventually, it was like one week to the end of the three-month notice that I got something. In fact, the second thing was, I felt God was saying, you must go into a Christian environment. So I'm thinking, where, how? That's the only thing I knew. A couple of offers came that were good offers. But I felt to reject them because they didn't add up. You know, working with God sometimes can be very difficult. Even my own mother used to tell me that who says God can't take you there and you go and be evangelizing people? I asked myself at the point, are you all right? The job offer was very good. But I stuck it and followed. And how God has led me, <laughs> it's only God that can have brought me to where I am today. So I know. And I said all that so that you understand that I'm not just speaking um, words of motivation and not without substance i have seen god i know god i understand god so when he says i just do whether i understand it or know it and that is the differentiating factor for us if you cannot trust god he can't stand with you and the season you're in the truth is you have no other solution everything is just blowing you like this like that you don't know what to do but when you come into that place of covenant with him, things begin to change. Again, what I read, it says, faith might change your circumstances. Sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't change. It only changes your perspective. Let me use an, it's a scripture to illustrate that about perspective. Paul, he says in 1 Corinthians, he had a thorn in his flesh. It says it was a messenger of Satan. That means it was a demonic affliction. It was a, in his, a thorn in his flesh. It says he prayed to God three times, asking God to take it out, and God didn't answer him. But on the third time, he said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. And that one was like a light bulb for him because he says, I know that the issue is not the thing. The issue is God's grace. Because he says, when I am weak, I am, his strength is made perfect in my weakness. He says, I will glory in my infirmities. The infirmity did not go, but his perspective changed. There are seasons like that for some of us. The situation might not change, 
but your perspective changes. And what God does at times like that is he wants you to understand his ways. By the time he solves the problem, you won't even remember when it was solved because your mind has changed. You might not understand me now, but your spirit is understanding. And I'm trusting God to activate something in you today that will change your situation. In the time of Joshua, God said, the men, the, the priests should bear the ark and step into the Jordan and that the waters will part. It says they did step into the waters, but they didn't part. Not because God hadn't said, but he says at a city called Adam, he caused a dam to be built and the waters were stopped. So the waters needed time to run and run or flow away for the ground to be clear. Sometimes what God does is not immediate or instant. And our mindset, we're an espresso generation. We want it now, sharp, sharp. You must learn to walk with God. So, that scripture in First Samuel paints the pattern. But let me break it down a bit further. It's about encouraging yourself in God. Five things quickly I'll just pull out. One is that you have communion with God. David called for the ephod. And he consulted God and he asked, what should I do? Should I chase after them? God said, yes. Will I over, um, recover? Says yes. Then he went. You must be able to go back to God constantly. This is what's happening. Checking, asking, trying to probe to find out what to do. Because the answers, trust me, things are even going to get, if you think they're bad, they're going to get worse. They're going to get worse. And at that point, it's either you throw your hands up in the air or you are faint yet pursuing. And you can only be faint yet pursuing when you trust God. Because when things go upside down, you go back to him. He gives you the keeping power to keep going and then he gives you the strategy to go through that season. Second thing is the word of God itself. It will always bring comfort. Every time I'm going through a dilemma, I just try to spend time in his word. In fact, for my own personal work, early in my Christian work, God gave me the story of Joseph as the pattern for my life. And so every time I would go through something, I would just go read the story of Joseph again. I will always come out with something. Right down to how I married I was in an engagement for a couple of years. It didn't work out. And I was at the age of 29 when it broke up. And it was a very difficult period for me. In the middle of that, I was reading Joseph. And he says, Joseph, Pharaoh called Joseph and made him prime minister. And then he gave him a wife. And Joseph was 30. I was going to be 30 in like six months. I said, how? <laughs> how? <laughs> how? I'm not even looking. <laughs> But because I'd learned to trust God, I'm reading scripture another day. It says, and David became king of all Israel at 30. I said, okay, God, say out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. So, but let me just say now that 
if you are telling me this will happen, you have to find the wife because me, I'm all looking. Third thing, and Jesus started his ministry at 30. I said, it had to be Jesus. <laughs> so I said, okay, Lord, at this point, I hear you, but how? Not looking. That, that was about September of that year. I got married October the next year. And the journey was <laughs> only God. You have to find how God speaks to you. But when you are in his word, he will speak to you without fail. Without fail. But you must be in his word. And you must be able to put aside your anxieties, your frustrations, because you can't walk with him if you don't trust him. You can't. And if your fear and your frustrations are what bubbles over, then you can't hear him. Third thing I've said is you must trust him. Fourth thing that doesn't seem in the picture at all is you must help others. Find people to help. You know, sometimes we're so consumed with our problems that we don't, we can't see around us what's happening, that people are worse off than we are. And you're not having anything. If you are able to recalibrate and help others, you'll find God solves your problems. But we're too self-centered to think of that. And sometimes that's the deliverance God needs to just bring to you. As you're helping others, he sorts your problems out. I have seen that one over and over again. One of my greatest gifts is encouragement. I'm not a preacher. I leave that to Pastor Mo, P.I., Pastor O.T.L. of them. If you don't wake them up, they just be preaching. Me, for me to preach, I have to, the thing has to percolate, you know, is going through. And I come and speak what I feel God says. That's what helps me. That's the only thing that helps me. But if it's encouragement, it's very easy. It's, that, it's just second nature. For when I first got married, my wife used to call me Counselor Balogun. Because... I'll be tired. I just come home. Then someone just comes with a problem. I can spend the next three hours just talking. <laughs> but I know that I've seen God do things, situations I'm going through. And I used to find that funny. I'm going through a situation. Then the people he's bringing are people who have the same problem. So I'm thinking, how do I help them solve their problem? <laughs> I have the problem. Then you're bringing people. But I found something very strange. That whatever I'll say to them will solve their problem, but it won't solve my own. <laughs> but when I've left the thing, it gets solved. So I learned a principle that, you know, many times when you're not sure of what to do, God sometimes just wants you to reach out. And in that, he solves your problems. You see that in Joseph's pattern and life. Even though he was going through what he was going through, in prison, I mean, if you, if you think of his life, you get sold away from your family by your own brothers. Then you are doing well in the house of Potiphar. Then the wife just does you, now you are in prison. You feel so despondent. But they came for him to even notice that they are looking the 
dejected or they are going through problems. It means he was more concerned. He wasn't looking at his issues. So he could see there's something wrong. What's the problem? And he goes ahead to interpret things for them. And then they still abandon him there. But one day, it seemed like miracle. But you see, God is not a God of miracles. Sorry, I say that loosely. He's a God of miracles, yes. But you know, we in our minds think everything must be miraculous. No. He's also a God of process. He doesn't just do anything because it's, it's what he wants. So many of us are waiting for that miracle. Meanwhile, what are you doing in the way? Because when you read Psalm 105, it says that God said he broke the staff of bread over the land and he sent a man, even Joseph. Now, was Joseph sent or he was sold? What we see in the natural is that he was sold out of hatred and all that, 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 that. but God sent him. And it says he was bound in chains until, and he was tried until the word of God came. Then he was loosed. And then Pharaoh called him and made him ruler over his home, over all his lords. So it would seem like a miraculous thing, but it was in the process of God. Many of us are going through the process and we're complaining and murmuring and not understanding. of God are the things that get us there. That's why today I'm very clear our mindset, our posture has to be faint yet pursuing. All you must know is what God said. The last thing is at times like that you're short-fused, you react to everything, no money, school fees comes, rent comes, this one comes, that one comes, and you're just constantly... One thing God dropped in my heart is, pray and cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 is what, where you see that. Galatians 5, 22, 23. It is difficult to do these things when everything is falling apart. But your ability to do that is what changes the game. Because what you're doing is manifesting the divine nature. That's when they say, they slap you once, you turn the other cheek. <laughs> the slap, like a, that slap. You know, there have been two slaps. This is a season of slappings. <laughs> First, it is Auntie Bianca. Ta, ta. Then Will Smith, in fact, they are still analyzing that thing, whether it's a, it was staged or not. The man, they slapped him, whether it's staged, he, he received slap. <laughs> but Galatians 5, 22-23 says, But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, is, is in, I'm reading the Amplified, it says, The work which his presence within accomplishes is love, one, joy or gladness, peace, Patience, which is an even temper or forbearance, its kindness, its goodness or benevolence, its faithfulness, it is gentleness, which is meekness or humility, it is self-control, which is self-restraint or continence. It says against such things there is no law that can bring a charge. 
you know, one thing, why I, I know this scripture very well is, there's one thing God gave me a pattern for a few years ago that I tried to live by. He says, if your ways are pleasing to him, he will cause even your enemies to be at peace with you. That means if you wish me bad and you come against me, if I'm pleasing God, I don't need to pray against you. He will constrain you. That's why Laban could not do Jacob Jack. Because the angel came to him and told him, if you touch him, you're a dead man. So he came and told him, he said, do you know I have power? But the angel told me. <laughs> Your whole being should be geared towards pleasing God. Your needs, your situations will change because he says his eyes are going to and fro over the earth, looking for those whose hearts are perfect towards him that he might show himself strong on their behalf. I feel God wants to bring some healing to people today. Please rise. Let's just shut down. I don't know the pressures we're going through. I don't know. I also feel a strong sense that there's bitterness in some of us because of the things that the, 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 the hands that have been dealt you. So there's some level of bitterness. But Hebrews 12, it says, the brute of bitterness defiles. And when you are bitter, even if you are in the right, God can't walk because you hinder him. He says, forgive and let go. But when you hold it to heart, he can't forgive you. And so many of us are in a cycle that just, we can't come out of. I feel God wants to free us of those things that hinder. That when you can come and live through these seasons of pressure with a heart, that is yielded to him, then he can work. Our ability to look beyond the situation and rec recognize what the psalmist said, he says, I've been young, now I'm old. I have never seen the seed of the righteous forsaken, nor begging bread. There's a place of abundance that does not look like abundance, but it's a place of constant supply. That what you need, you get. You know, he says in Philippians, my Lord shall supply all my need, not my wants, my need, according to his riches and glory. Our minds are always fixated on what we want, not what we need. Only God knows what we need. And so your ability to trust him, that what he's giving you is what you need, is what carries you through. Just place your hand on your heart. I just close your eyes. I just want you to come to God. What I feel God wants to do is heal some hearts, some deep things. Some of us are in the situations we are because of things we did, said, or got into that have put us on the wrong path. And it's as simple as just letting go and he just breaks that cycle around you. 
Holy Spirit, move in our midst. Every hard heart break. Every place of despair bring hope again. Restore the joy of salvation. Holy Spirit, have your way in every heart, in every life, in every situation. Break those chains. Those feelings of utter hopelessness, of despair. Those who are disillusioned. Those who have faced disappointment on every side. Restore. say that you will take out the heart of stony flesh of the heart of stone and bring the heart of flesh that's pliant is open is yielded help us to trust again oh God help us to be open to you Lord do that work that only you can do in our hearts today. Break those cycles of unforgiveness, oh God. I feel a burden. If you are walking in a situation of unforgiveness, please come out. I just feel God wants to embrace you, but things have been constantly just going round and round and it's like that thing you're holding back that thing is what is holding you back don't be ashamed just come out from the rising of the sun thanks for listening to this message from the hills church our mission is to love people connect with family and touch the world Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.